0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland. And not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights, and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it.
1: Look at down at the uh, corner of
0: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Appreciate you just for tuning in. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now, so you can check it out there if that's your preferred spot to listen to things. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify every first of the month. So lots of those are available, and I'll put the links in the episode notes for the Spotify profile along with the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts if you want to cop one of those. Super pumped for episode 274. Got bad, bad hats on the podcast. Had the opportunity to chat it up with the band's guitar player and singer, Carrie, before the band hit the road, which is exactly where they are at right now. So if you enjoy what you hear on this episode and you're somewhere in the Midwest, Or on the East Coast, you should definitely tap in to the Bad Bad Hats tour dates because they are hitting a lot of places over the next couple months. It was really rad to get to talk with Carrie. I just stumbled upon Bad Bad Hats last week when their new record Walkman came out, which is uh, definitely something we cover on this episode as well as diving into some of the band history, how this Bad Bad Hats band got going and some of the creative process and chemistry between the band members shout out to Khan shout out to Khan and Chris the other members of the band as well as Brett Bullion who produced this record and the previous two Bad Bad Hats records which are also really great really been enjoying doing the, the deep dive on this whole catalog of music and stoked that I found this band because there are a lot of great tunes throughout all of the records and definitely something I enjoy just putting on front to back since I have found it. So we are going to get into that chat momentarily. That new record is on Don Giovanni Records. So I will put the, the link for Bad Bad Hats and Don Giovanni Records in the episode notes as well so you can check out the other releases on that label. Hope everybody is doing well out there. I am currently recording this from a hotel room in Boise, Idaho. I am here for my first ever Tree Fort Music Festival. I moved to Portland, Oregon about eight and a half years ago now, and that's right around the year that Tree Fort Music Fest started. And for the past five or six years, I have heard nothing but great things about this festival and how much fun it is. It's filled with a bunch of Portland bands that usually roll out as well as some, some Boise locals and national touring acts as well. And uh, I'm super stoked that I am able to be here and just that the festival is, is doing whatever they can to make sure that we get to all be here. But also under the safest of circumstances and thus far after day one. I feel great about my decision to be here. And it's nice to know that everybody rolling through the gates is either vaccinated or getting tested outside of the gates. So people can hopefully be, be safe out here. And, uh, seem, seems like everybody is, is of the same mindset here and we all just want to get to see music and are willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, keep each other safe and it's just very fucking cool to get to see so much music in one day. I forgot what this festival atmosphere is like. And if you're not familiar with the tree fort setup, there's a, a main stage which is in the middle of downtown Boise. And then the rest of the shows take place at all of the the venues in downtown. So kind of a, a south by southwest Setup where a bunch of venues are participating, and all of the ones that I've been to thus far have been really cool setups. Day one was absolutely killer. Monophonics on the main stage just filled my filled my heart, and just so great to be in a crowd of people that are all super stoked to be seeing some music. But Arm and Hammer was my day one showstopper. That set. At the NeuroLux was incredible, and so glad that I did not miss that. So that's what's shaking. I'm out here in Boise doing a bunch of podcasts, which you will hear sometime in the future. Hopefully, getting four to six interviews out here and and some other coverage. So if you're out here, you're listening to this on release day somehow, and you're out at Tree it, you know, come come say what's up. All right, I want to get into my chat with Carrie from Bad Bad Hats, but before we do, I want to hit you with some calendar dates. If you are a Portland, Oregon local and you want to see some free live music every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at Produce Row. Free music, all ages, great food, good cocktails. All the things are there this coming Sunday. The Miguel Hernandez trio will be there throwing down some jazz. And then this coming Wednesday night, we got a DJ set from Vanport. He'll be doing an all vinyl set. That'll be really dope. October 6th, we got a Produce Row favorite, Jeff Chilton and the JC Proof Gang. They always put on such a killer show over there. And October 13th, singer-songwriter Sam Densmore, former guest of the podcast, is going to be out there. And much more going on at Produce Row. So that link will be in the episode notes if you want to keep up with those calendar dates. And October 17th, yours truly will be spinning a DJ set, the Digital Jams, over at North 45 in Northwest Portland. So put October 17th on your calendar if you're a Portland local as well. And that's all the things, everybody. We're going to get into episode... 274 can't say thank you enough to carrie for giving me some of her time right before the band was about to head out on tour hope they're having safe travels out there and uh if you dig bad bad hats give them a like a follow put them on your playlist all the things are uh, helpful in growing their visibility as well that new record is out on vinyl i want the previous two but they both appear to be sold out on vinyl, so I'm uh, I'm proposing a repressing. If anybody's listening, I would I would like to get those those first two records. So uh, if anybody's got one, want to send them my way? That's also that's also great as well. And we are going to kick episode 274 off with a track off that new Walkman record that just came out last week. Bad Bad Hats out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. This is a track called Detroit Basketball. Let's do the damn thing. stumbled upon your, your band just the other day when Walkman came out. Yes. Which was uh, this past Friday.
2: Yes, it was.
0: And knew nothing about Bad Bad Hats prior to that. So I've been getting my I've been getting my education here the last couple of days Carrie preparing for this conversation with you and I I dug deep I went back to that 2013 it hurts EP I'm glad I got the full rundown <laughs> I'm
2: glad You know I I was always a studious young person so I appreciate the research I appreciate the you know attention to detail
0: Absolutely <laughs> and uh, I went to the record store oh, this morning. Oh my gosh. And look what I found. I found one of your, the copies of Walkman. That is That, that amazing. just dropped. And um,
2: where are you, Dan? Portland,
0: Portland, Oregon. Okay,
2: yes. I remember that now. That is awesome so. because this actually, um, we have never been distributed before. So this is like our first time being widely available in record stores, which is really cool because we love record stores and we love exploring them on tour. And it sounds fun if, May, i don't know just maybe we find ourselves right now. right
0: <laughs> that's got to be cool i was i was stoked I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to find it i thought there was maybe just a an off chance that yeah. i would uh i would find one of your records and and there it was nice,
2: that's awesome
0: yeah so uh yeah i've been geeking out on that And I want to talk about the new record for sure and touch on other parts of the catalog, but would love to just start with how this band begins, being that it does go back to at least 2013 for you. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so Baba Hats began humbly in 2012 officially, though Chris Hoagie um, and I, Chris plays bass in the band now though he originally played drums in the band because he was the only one who knew how. So we needed him to do that. Uh, so yes, we met in 2010 at Macau College in St. Paul, Minnesota. and Oh, right on. Yeah, and we found each other's music on MySpace because in 2010, that's still where people were putting their music to share. Um, and we liked what each other were doing. We liked the vibe. Um, but we studied abroad at different times and kind of, reunited our senior year so that was 2012 Um, and things really came together when we met our friend Noah Boswell um, who also went to McAllister, and he uh, came up to us in the campus center and was like hey guys guess what I just bought this bass guitar and we were like you don't say (laughs) do you want (laughs) to use that bass guitar for something so Noah always claims that he was tricked into joining the band because he thought we were just jamming (laughs) (laughs) um so that's where it began in 2012 but yes our first uh, release um came out in january of 2013 um and that's when things really got rolling uh played a lot of shows in town um and then our first full-length album came out in 2015 and then we were making our second full-length album that's when con davison who is um the our current drummer um and he rounds out the three-piece these days. Um, that's when we met Khan, and he played drums on Lightning Round, our second full-length album, and right away okay. we could just tell that the vibe was great and that he was going to be just a great addition to the band. Um, so the three of us have been going um, since, I guess, like 2016, maybe? That's when we started working on Lightning Round, something like that.
0: Yeah. Did you, uh, did you all find that McAllister was just kind of like a hotbed for... Find another people to make music with. My cousin went there a couple of years oh, after really? you. Oh and, my gosh. and I That's think crazy. he spent pretty much his entire time there playing music and not really going yeah. to class much. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean for me it was great because I had I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama and went to high school in Tampa, Florida. And though I'm sure that there were like music scenes happening there, I was not very tapped into them. Um I was at that stage in my life was it was just me, you know, like, on um, my bathroom floor playing <laughs> for yeah. myself. Um, and also like not a lot of tours go through those places. Um, so I just felt like when I came to McAllister and to the Twin Cities, that was like my first time really like experiencing a music scene and going to indie rock shows for the first time. And so to me, that's, yeah, it was like, it felt like, oh my gosh, here's where, here's where all the musicians are. Um, yeah that was mostly my because of my own like personal experience um but it was a great place there were a lot of musicians some of our there's a band called carol who some of our friends from um, McCowser who are a really great band um yeah there are lots of people playing music putting on shows you know in the basement of the dorm and it was a nice place to start out and sort of have that that built-in fan base of your enthusiastic friends
0: (laughs) yeah did you personally start playing music from a pretty young age
2: yeah, I started playing. I started writing like lyrics when I was like nine. I was just like really into rhyming <laughs> and <laughs> love songs, and wanted to be just like uh, Avril Lavigne. Um, but I didn't start playing guitar till I was like thirteen, um, and that was cool. But I was still convinced that I would be a songwriter, and I would find like the musician to like sing my songs. But that person did not present themselves. So at some point I thought, you know, if anyone's going to sing these, it's probably going to have to be me. <laughs> so I figured out how to sing in high school. And here we are.
0: Yeah. Was it difficult <laughs> for you to get the courage up to share your songs in front of people?
2: Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I've always kind of been a ham. So... And it was, like, in, like, theater and stuff. So, in some ways, like, being in front of people didn't really bother me. Um, but, like, I bombed, like, every single, like, violent recital I ever had. <laughs> um, so, like, <laughs> my track record of, like, performing music in front of people was not very good. So, I feel like there was, like, a little bit of, like, yeah, I, like, I really, like, relished being on the stage. But, like it has taken me a long time to feel comfortable like playing my guitar on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But always kind of gravitated towards, uh, writing songs of your own and yeah. and writing down some sort of like poetry or lyrics in some, exactly. in some yes. way.
2: D- absolutely. Yes. And I still, I still would love to like, it's still kind of like a dream of mine to like write for other people, um because that was like my original dream so I would love to try that one day but for now yeah the band yeah yeah that's that's my avenue
0: and what what about uh as far as your lyric writing are you usually writing from your point of view or perspective or can you kind of uh bounce outside of that and write from a character's perspective
2: Yeah, it is definitely kind of both of those, especially because, like, I love writing, like, unrequited love songs, love the breakup song, but I've actually been, you know, in a long-term relationship for, like, a decade now, um, so I'm really, you know, like, all I have to, like, all my subject matter for that is from, like, when I was, like, 19, um, or before, (laughs) um, so, yeah, so I do, I do have to kind of step out of myself a little bit, um, but I, I enjoy that because I kind of think of like writing songs like cinematically. Like I just, you know, I love a rom-com and I love like the way that music interacts like in a TV show or in a movie. Mm. And so like I feel like I'm always thinking about that when I'm writing just sort of like what what scene in the movie would like this song go with, you know? Yeah. um What kind of like trope would this song speak to? um So yeah.
0: Yeah, do you think that kind of speaks to maybe some of the the fun and playful elements of the songs along with maybe some of that heavy hearted stuff
2: maybe yeah because i feel like um yeah because i just like am sort of like thinking about like yeah the mood of the song and like yeah and i think there is like a playfulness to our live show and to like our personalities so I'm glad when that comes through because it makes it a lot easier for us to like make videos and perform them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was checking out this live performance from South by Southwest and I appreciated oh, yeah. your uh, your ability for for storytelling. I caught your your Buffalo Bills chat. Thank you. <laughs> and I was just like, this is great. <laughs> like These are these Thank are you. great opportunities, I feel like, for people to connect with the music that maybe are not already there when they can kind of like fall in love with the people that are doing it.
2: Yeah, and we like to, um, like I said, I am a ham, and I enjoy telling stories and talking about the songs, but also I think that, yeah, we like that it sort of allows us to show our personality in that way, Um, because there are plenty of bands that I love that just have that sort of, like, cool, mysterious thing, and they're kind of, like, you know, they're almost, like, they feel, like, beyond you, because they're just, like, oh, they're so cool, like, they're, like, on another plane, (laughs) Which is awesome, but like that, that kind of performer isn't always super approachable because it just feels like, oh my gosh, like there's like, yeah, there's somewhere else. But we, we like that we kind of, we hopefully try to express that, you know, come talk to us at the merch table. We're like, you know, we're like your old friend and we're easy to talk to and, yeah, um, and we appreciate everyone there. So, yeah.
0: What was the process like for you when you started? sharing your tunes with Chris when you got to McAllister was that kind of the first time you had collaborated much with another musician with music in that way
2: I guess I had um one I had a boyfriend in high school who um was also sort of like long distance and that was my first time really collaborating and I was glad for that experience because that was my first time like in that situation he would send like full instrumentals and I would just like try to write a song and sing over, um, which is called a top line. My friend who lives in LA and writes pop songs taught me. Um, so I would do that in that project, which was fun. I'm glad I got that experience, but like, um, I was sort of, I felt kind of like removed from it because it was just like, here's the song and just try to come up with the melody and the lyrics. So Chris was the first person I collaborated with who it was sort of my songs were like the, the basis and he was just helping me kind of round them out. And that was really cool too because I had never... Because Babbit Hats is like my first band yeah. that I've been in. <laughs> so like I like distinctly remember like going to Chris's house and where he had a drum set and it was my first time like playing guitar while someone played drums. And I was just like, oh my God, it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like it feels so amazing to play guitar while someone plays drums. Um but because of that it was kind of like I was pretty like rough around the edges when we started because I didn't own a guitar pedal before and had to learn how to like use my leg like while I was singing and playing guitar and so the experience of Ava Haas has always been kind of like a learning experience for me um but it's been awesome in that way to have Chris there um sort of on the journey like learning together and working together and
1: yeah
0: yeah would you say that when you had the opportunity to start touring a bit was really when you got your your feet under you as far as feeling comfortable playing live and as a guitar player and a singer fronting this band
2: yeah I would say so. I think we had some pretty rough shows when I look back. But we had the confidence to just power through. It, like, didn't bother us that we were kind of (laughs) rough. We are just like, we did it, and, like, we didn't mess up too bad. And (laughs) and we're thankful that, like, people seemed to get it. Like, they could see through, like, our beginner status and see the songs for what they were and see the the energy. But, yeah, definitely touring. Because I would also just, like, my my nervousness before the shows was so heightened when we were just in town and you're only playing like one show every you know a few months and you just leading up to it you're like oh my god how's this gonna go and like every show is like every show is gonna like make or break your career yeah. you know like if we don't play this like brewery festival right like we're done <laughs> or like you know like this is our chance we're playing at the state fair like, buy the tractors, and, like, if we pull this off, straight to the top. <laughs> and so, like, going on tour and just, like, playing every night and sort of developing a little bit of, like, monotony, like, not in a bad way, just, like, a little bit more of, like, this is our job and this is what we do. And we, like, hone the set and we get into a rhythm was really great just to be, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you don't have to, like, stress about it. You can just, like, have fun with it and enjoy the experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, when did you when did the band start building some traction and like what kind of puts bad, bad hats on the map where you're, you're starting to get some cool opportunities opening for some well-known bands on tour.
2: Yeah, I think we've always, we've always said the motto was slow and steady and that's kind of always the way it's been. We've just been sort of um, worked off of like incremental, incremental, gains and just like you know you make two fans of this show you make three fans of the next show and like that's great and that's how we do it but i think one big turning point was when we released our first our debut full-length album psychic reader um and we were working um with publicity um company called girly action and they did really well for us and we got a lot of really good press um and you know the in the local music scene really supported us and And because of that, um, we were also able to get a booking agent. And I think that was probably, that development was huge because it's just so, um, so much of it is, yeah, getting on those opening tours. And so we went on our first big tour with a band called the Minor Birds um, right after our album came out. Um, It was like around the whole country, it was like six weeks, which was um, a pretty wild way to like start our touring (laughs) career. But it was, amazing and that was like the best band that we could have opened for because they were so open and welcoming and just like really great to us and and kind of showing us the ropes if you will um and then we went on tour with hippocampus um nice and yeah who that was great because so they're local to where we're from the twin cities Um, So that's like how we got the tour, I'm sure, because we are another local band. Um, But that was amazing because of their their fan base is a lot of younger fans and they seem to really respond to our music. And some of those fans we see, you know, every year at shows like they've stuck with us from them. So that was really great to sort of get in with that fan base. Yeah. Um, The type
0: of people that were going to like buy some of your merch after the show.
2: Yeah, definitely, and that was also just like a great, and we loved meeting Hippocampus and getting to know them and seeing them play was very inspiring because they're such a, such a great live band, so talented and energetic, and and the way that they interacted with their fans was really really inspiring as well because they were very gracious and generous to their fans, and um, so that was nice to see, and I think that's how we knew we wanted to interact with our fans um, as we as we built a fan base um and yeah from there having the booking agent having a few tours under our belt then i think you start to get more opportunities like that so yeah
0: yeah Do you feel like you try to take a piece of kind of each tour what you learn maybe from each artist that you tour with and how you can kind of implement into that like into your own process
2: yeah a little bit I like I don't know if I'd be able to like tell you like one thing from each tour exactly, but I think definitely I think every tour we go on we learn something and we say like even just like little stuff like oh, like you can ask for that on your rider. That's a good idea, <laughs> or like, oh, like we do like that we're in like a minivan or it's just like you know little stuff, um, and just getting to know people is amazing and getting to know other other fan bases like we love doing the opening slot on a big tour um it's nice it can be a little intimidating because you know they're not there to see you um but if you can just you know kind of put your head down and pl- do your thing and um you know uh stay at the merch table and say hi to everyone i think it really it's really paid off for us to do those kinds of tours
1: when i look at you i
2: Tomorrow, yeah, I know that's true.
0: <laughs> what is what does that feel like right now? Is there kind of a lot of anxiety around going out on the road given the current situation, or are you just so excited that you're about to play music in front of people consecutive nights?
2: Yeah, I mean I'm definitely I'm an anxious person, so there is definitely anxiety um, especially just because you know you've been like hunkered down for like a year and a half and it just feels weird to to be doing something like tour um but because of that we you know we're just we're trying to do everything we can to you know um hopefully ensure that it's a safe and fun experience so um that was important to us um so yeah i'm a little nervous but i am definitely very excited especially with the album out you know it's just you can't you can't beat like the album release tour where you got a new music out you're playing the songs for first time you're seeing how people react um you know you're signing people's vinyl
1: yeah um
2: so i am very excited but yeah i I would be lying if i said i wasn't a little nervous and hoping for the best though
0: for sure yeah i guess there's just like a a lot of external factors that you didn't have to like consider before like keeping the entire staff uh, and production crew healthy and whatnot and uh yes i think that's uh i saw someone recently that was a a tech person that has been touring for a long time with a particular band and they were just trying to remind audience members that this is something that they do every night this is not just like their one saturday night or their one night that they went out and like to see music that night and that it's you know, it's part of their livelihood. That's why it's like so important to try to keep people as as safe as possible during these times if we do want to like have shows and whatnot. And I just don't think that every, every day concert goer thinks about that, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, that's like, I think like one of the best ways to like support live music, you know, is to wear your mask at the show and get vaccinated. I mean, that's like, you know like as a music fan like that's the best way to to make it so we're at a place where it does it feels like you know more safe and back to normal um so yeah and so i you know it like would have been you know it's like you had to consider like should we go on this tour should we cancel this tour but i i kind of felt like if the venues um want to work with us you know to make it vaccine required and mass required and sort of if we all do our part to try to make the experience as safe as possible like we want to support those venues you know we want those venues to stay open and be putting on shows yeah. and we want to be putting on shows so we felt like it was um important to work together to try to make shows a viable safe option for fans
0: yeah absolutely that's that's definitely where i'm at with it <laughs> you know yeah um so what do you think the uh like how did the chemistry shift when when cone entered the band and you started recording that lightning round like what what did you feel was that that shift because there's definitely i don't know that record definitely seems to have a different energy to it than the previous releases and it feels like that has overflowed into this this walkman record as well
2: yeah so lightning round um I think the biggest difference actually with that record was the amount of time we spent on it, which compared to Walkman and Psychic Reader, actually we spent like five weeks in the studio working on that record compared to like two weeks for each of the other ones. Um, So we just had a lot more time to be like, Today, let's just play with the tape loops. Or today, let's just really get the snare to sound a certain way. Or, like, let's go down this path. And then at the end of the day, say, no, that's not it. <laughs> so, like, we could really, like, do a lot more exploring and a lot more, like, fine-tuning of things. Um And at the time, that paired with the songs I was writing at the time, which were very inspired by, I was, like, really into like, true, like, top 40 pop music and sort of, like, over-the-top pop arrangements and, like, those, like, big melodies and um, and they just happened to be, like, a lot of, like, mid-tempo jams. I don't... That wasn't, like, a conscious decision, but that just sort of worked out that way, which also played into the hands of, like, this, like, spending five weeks in the studio making this, like, highly produced thing. Um, and so Khan joined us uh so basically when we we're going into that session brett bullion our friend and producer um suggested that we hire a drummer because chris had been playing drums with us and he did a great job but he is not a drummer and i think he would tell you that um so he was for it too he's like that'd be nice to just have someone who is a drummer and can just like focus on the drum parts and we can do other stuff um, and so Brett recommended Khan because they worked together on, um, some other things. I think Khan was in a band called Wingman at the time and had just worked with Brett. Um, and we liked his songs, we liked his style and we we're like, yeah, this guy would be great to play drums. So he came in, um, and just played drums in the first session and it was great. But then also we were like, you should play live with us and, oh, nice. you know, start playing some shows. Um, so we started playing with him. And it was great. It, like, his drumming was perfect. And I know Chris was really happy to be on guitar at that point. Um, but then Brett came back to us and was like, I think we need to do some more songs for Lightning Round. And at that point, we had asked Khan to join the band officially. Um, and so then the three, the three of us with Brett went into the studio to work together, like, on the full arrangement. So Khan was doing a lot more than just drums and that when we're collaborating and th- thinking about the songs all together. Um, and that still is one of my favorite recording sessions I've ever done. Just like the energy and the ideas. And it was just so clear that it was just, I think Khan and Chris and I have a lot of the same ideas of like how to work in the studio and the kind of music we like. And Khan himself is like a singer and a songwriter um, and a very talented multi-instrumentalist um so I trust a lot of his ideas because he comes he comes uh he approaches the songs like from the perspective of a songwriter himself um so that was great and yeah I don't know just from the start it was like it was just a good rapport and kind of brings so much to the table because he is just very good at what he does
0: well I think your songwriting is is so good but nothing gets me high is definitely a track that that sticks out heavy to me when thinking about the entire catalog of music
2: yep and as uh, that is the song we did and that is a song we did in that second lightning round session when khan joined us for the collaboration
0: about brett you, you guys have made like the last three records with him yep. now so what what do you like about him being a part of the process and like how important is his role in making these records sound the way that you all want them to
2: yeah well i think brett to me as an engineer so as like the person getting like the tones is like one of the best in the business like he just has like such an ear for that So that's the first thing. But then also he mixes all of our records and his mixing is like very dynamic. Like he and creative process, like I think some mixers, you know, it's just about, you know, like the levels and, you know, but Brett is like when he mixes, like he's making like creative choices with mixings, like with delay or with mutes or with like, he's really like adding to the song and the mix process. Um, Which I don't think we knew, like, in Psychic Reader that he was going to do that. And actually, like, the first mixes we got from him were like, (laughs) what? What is this? Like, what happened to, like, half the song? Um, But if you like that style, which we ended up, we did end up liking it, despite our initial uh, confusion. Um, It's great because that's, like, it's, like, the songs just are, like you you have an opportunity to be constantly surprised by your own songs when you work with Brett because he shows you places that the songs can go that you wouldn't have considered and then in the studio as a producer I feel like we're a good match because my my headspace is always how do I write like a simple catchy song that's easy to latch onto that's like my whole motivation but Brett's motivation is a lot more like How do we write something challenging and experimental Mm. and like unlike something you've heard before? So they're like kind of opposite energies, but like when we combine those, I think it's really great because he helps me sort of push the comfort level. Um, But I think I provide like sort of like the solid like pop melodic backbone to his experimentation. So, I think that's it's a great combo.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Your hooks, your hooks are killer. Thank you. (laughs) I think that, yeah, one of the big standouts overall is just like your, your delivery and attitude with the vocals and the melodies. But I also very much hear what you're saying as far as throwing in some of those experimental moments maybe at times that really kind of add to the character of the tunes and and give it some life in different ways i'm I'm thinking about always on time is one of my favorite songs on the new record thank you and i think it's just like an example of one of those tracks that kind of just keeps me wanting to listen to more of your music but also gets in that that range of like feeling fresh and timeless at the same time and to speak to some of those experimental moments like coming out of that first chorus into the second verse there's yeah like those video game synthy action going on it's it's those moments that you're not expecting to happen out of these like cute pop songs or whatever you know
2: But now that we've worked with them so much like like we're we're starting to do those things like ourselves you know it's like we're starting to be like oh what can we add here but that's like definitely what brett has brought to the table and brought to our our like recording and songwriting and our our like approach to recording um but that sound was made with a machine called a, a micro sampler a korg micro sampler which is just it's like a little keyboard that you can record you can like put any sound in and then like play it like do 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 but like when you put like a really weird sound into it, so like when you hit a key it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's like basically how we did the always on time thing. And it appears on Gloria Love and on Detroit basketball, I know. Yeah, it's all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'd imagine at this point, you know, you all just kinda have a language that you know working yeah. with one another and you just really know how to operate pretty efficiently too with yes. with one another
2: i would say so yeah definitely and um especially like you yeah, we've worked with brett so much like we know uh he's got certain like tricks and yeah certain things he likes to do but but also i feel like every record you know we are also like always trying something different. I think, like, some, some new toy always, like, add, gets added to the mix that's sort of like, whoa, what is this? And how can we use this? Um, and Chris and Con and I, especially, are getting into a, a rhythm of recording together because we've, um, in the pandemic, we started uh, Patreon where the whole concept is that every month we record a new song, like, based on a theme. So, like, a key change or, like, like 70s. Okay. <laughs> um... So we've been doing a lot of recording together in the pandemic and that's been awesome. So we're we're really getting a rhythm going now.
0: So how uh how is maybe Walkman approached differently than than the making of of prior records?
2: So I think the biggest difference with Walkman is probably that that's the only record that I think Khan Chris and I collaborated on basically from start to finish. Like all the songs I write like a like an open mic night version of okay. so it's like just guitar vocals and the lyrics, so we have the melody, I have the lyrics, and I have like a guitar arrangement um so that's where pretty much all of the songs start um but then, in past records, you know, Chris and I just worked on the songs together, we just brought them to Brett, but Walkman's the first record where all all three of us. Um, went into the process, like, having touched, like, all the songs, pretty much. Um, and we demoed. The three of us did a lot of demos for the songs. So we did, like, an Always On Time demo and the Glory Love demo before we went into the studio. Um, so I think, for sure, Khan's influence on the songs um, was the greatest It's it's been on a record. Um, and that is probably the record where we did the most, like, demoing beforehand and really figuring out the vibe on our own before we went into the studio though there are there are always songs that i just we just go into the studio with my voice memo and see what happens
0: yeah (laughs) is it is it easy for you for maybe tunes that you hear in your head a little more complete is it easy for you to let go of some of that and and open yourself up to the other ideas in the room
2: yeah, it's a really good question. This is something like I've been thinking about a lot actually because it can be like a little it can be a little like uh tense in the studio sometimes, like when you're trying to figure out the direction of a song. Cause I think because I write them, I have I do feel like a sense of ownership and like a sense of like responsibility to like honor like the spirit of the song. And so like a lot of times I'm probably the most resistant to like trying stuff because i'm like i don't know i think this is just supposed to be like a pop song and it's like not supposed to go blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like why are we doing that but um but at the same time like pretty much every time i'm pushed to do something that i don't think is cool at the time like it becomes like my favorite part of the song um so yeah sometimes i think it is a little better for my mindset if, if I've had time to think about it and think about the arrangement and work on a demo. Um, I, I just have, I feel like I have like a little more like control over the process. And so I feel like a little less like anxious about it. Where sometimes if you just go with the voice memo, the song could go anywhere. And sometimes that's a little scary because you might not like the direction that it's being taken, but you're already it's like already happening so you're like yeah. wait, wait wait wait
1: let's back up what's going <laughs> on um
2: but also always always trying to be open to that because that's the beauty of collaboration is that people show you where a song can go that you wouldn't realize because of your own because you don't have the the influence of a certain record that they have, right. they they're hearing something that you would never hear because you ha- you didn't listen to the CD when you were eleven like they did, or yeah. you didn't watch some show that they watched. Um, so I usually try to try, try to let it go and let the collaborative ideas wash over me I they feel usually used to good places
0: <laughs> it's just so goddamn hard to get out of your own way sometimes carrie when you're it when, is, you, it's when really you feel hard. something and you you want to see it through
2: I, I know i know well <laughs> so like on uh on the walk on walkman the title track i was really opposed in the studio to kind of the chord voicings and the chorus it's like might be like a little hard to hear but there's like a there's like an interesting Khan was playing like an interesting chord voicing and i was kind of like why do we need that like what are we why are we doing that but now it's like that's like probably my favorite song on the album and just that one chord voicing just gives it a little like emotion that it wouldn't have otherwise um so that's a great example of me just needing to be like
1: Go for it yeah I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna love it just do it.
0: Just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 pub located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Let's get back to the episode. I also just love that, you know, the the situation between the three of you and the band seems to be that like nobody is kind of dedicated to their one instrument you know unless That's it's maybe correct. maybe yeah. maybe in the live sense obviously like con's going to be on the drums yes. but it sounds like in the studio or may or the creating of songs you know someone else is maybe drumming on guitar someone else is jumping on bass and maybe crystal has a drum idea because he started off on the drums with the band
2: yep 100 percent. yeah so Khan is doing most of the drumming but it is true that you know like all of us are percussioning um yeah sometimes chris does have a a drum idea but yeah chris played most of the bass on walkman but definitely i know Khan played bass on a few songs um but guitar guitar and are the those are the main things where you never know which one of us is playing it on a given song i would i would love to hear people try to guess who was who i don't even know if i know <laughs> for all of them. Um, but yeah only some i don't know some solos and stuff i know who was doing it but but yeah guitar so we always let chris do it. if it's if we need like a really wild guitar solo chris usually does that if we need like beautiful like guitar plucks khan's gonna do that if we need you know just like some <laughs> some like raw energy that's gonna be me uh but yeah I don't know we always we always trade off it's all, sometimes just like who is the least tired in the studio when we need that part recorded
0: <laughs> fair
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> uh, speaking to maybe some of the raw feel do you yeah. would you agree or find it true to say maybe there's an angstier or grungier feel to some of these jams I'm thinking about maybe like Detroit Pistons or uh, yeah even maybe with Gloria Love.
2: Yeah, I would say so. I think I, it was my, because I usually don't go into albums with like a sense of like what they're going to be like. Like I'm not, I don't, it's just sort of like I have a pile of songs and like, you know, that's, these are the 10 best songs. So that's what we're going to record for this album. That's kind of how we do it. Um, but going into Walkman, I knew I wanted, to write some some rockers, because um, we had been on tour with our friends the Beths, um, and had played a show with the Beths and Rat Boys and ourselves. I think that was in Chicago, and it's just amazing. And those two bands, especially, just their energy on stage and just like the joy and the rock and roll vibes were just like amazing to me and just like reminded me of like the kind of music i loved when i was young and i just really was wanting to write more songs that we could like rock out with on stage basically um so yes i did go into this album wanting to write some songs so yeah glory love Detroit basketball awkward phase milky way those are the those are the rockers we ended up with
0: yeah i thought that gloria love song Seemed to have this groove to it that hadn't mm-hmm. been tapped into before and and just like yeah. maybe the that punk rock spirit kind of came through in that one in some ways
1: cool yeah i like to hear this <laughs>
0: so into this project as far as putting things out into the the public is there ever an anxiety on your end that the songs just like aren't going to come for the next project or is there some relief that that everything is so collaborative that things will just work itself out
2: yeah i think every once in a while like Like, right when we, like, finish recording, like, I'll have, like, a brief thought of, like, yeah, like, what if I can't do that again? (laughs) Like, write all these songs. But then I, like, will write a song, like, the next day. So I'm pretty much, like, always, I'm not a person who's, like, I write a song every day or, like, make myself do that. But I am writing, like, pretty consistently. So, like, I pretty much always have a pile, which comforts me. Because I always, I always have a few songs in the works. I'm like, all right, I got these songs. And then, you know, you just keep writing and, and it's just, it is amazing how like, because sometimes I'm like, how, how could we collectively as humans possibly continue making music when there's so much of it and only so many notes, but we just do. And it's cool because I just think it's, because so much of what makes a song a great song is just like coming from like the soul of the person like writing it and performing it so it's like it can be like the same chorus that have been used before but it's not it's not going to be the same song as those songs that have the same progression just because you're bringing such a different experience and like range of influence to it so but yeah but sometimes I'm like how could I, you know, like, how am I going to, like, write even more? But then you go to a show and, or you, like, hear a song and the light bulb goes off again where you're, like, oh, like, that's, you can do that with music. And then, like, that sets you on a path. And, like, it's been really amazing doing this Patreon because it's just, like, we're doing things that, like, seem silly. So, like, you know, we're, like, we wrote, like, a 60s song. And we, like, really, like, dug into, like, the 60s vibe and, like, the like, jangly guitar line, and it was all about being at the roller rink. So, like, we're not going to put that on a Baba Hats album like that, per se, but, like, we learned something recording that song. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, the wheels are spinning in some way, you know, like, in the back of your mind, so I'm going to approach another song differently, like, Mm -hmm. because we did that. So, it's like, you're always learning, you're always growing. So, So, no, I'm not worried. We got
0: the hits are gonna keep coming yeah no i i think that's a great way to like just keep working the muscles and informing the lens, like you're saying you know maybe it's not a bad bad hat song but it it helps maybe create something in the future the same way learning a cover song might teach you the way that certain chords can work together and absolutely so yeah yeah right on and are you primarily or exclusively writing all those initial ideas on guitar?
2: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I, maybe like one time I like wrote something on bass, but yeah, I'm pretty much, I got a little classical guitar. It's a Dixon and it's great. That's what I write all my songs on. Every once in a while though, too, like um, Crystal, Crystal start. To, you know he'll like write a chord progression that i'll write off of or um i know noah wrote a bass line that i wrote a song off of so every once in a while i'm getting sort of the foundation that way which is nice for me because that's like another source of like another great jumping off point for me which is like oh like what can i do with this yeah. so yeah i always like when that happens but yeah pretty much guitar yeah
0: and lyrics are you always writing those along with those initial like those melodies with the initial riff ideas, or are you kind of doing those separately?
2: Yeah, it's pretty much. I used to always write the lyrics first, which now I like can't imagine doing that. Though every once in a while, I'm like I'll have an idea for a line that I'll like write in my phone. But yeah, now it's always kind of like you come up with. You're playing the chords while you know Chopped is playing loudly in the background. Uh, you're playing some chords come up with a melody and, like, you're singing the melody and then you, like, start to say, like, words, sing words. And, you, like, then from there, like, oh, that's kind of a cool thing. And then it's, like, you fill in the blanks of the lyrics then as you go. Yeah.
0: Your yeah. your hook and vocal delivery on, Ye- yeah. on Year the Crab is uh, – that one is all the heat. That that one is great. Oh,
2: thank you. And that one's actually funny because that is the only Baba Hat song that's ever been – so the original verses to that song were scrapped in the studio, and I wrote the verses, those verses in the studio, like on the spot, because we were recording it and it was not, it was not working, and it was kind of a scary moment because I was like, this has never happened before, where I'm like, oh, this song is like not good, but then Cam was coming up with some, he came up with those like chord voicings in the verse and i was like okay now we're working with something and then the verses just like came to me but yeah i like those
0: it's a good one it's a good one for yeah sure. thank you
1: maybe i've never learned maybe i played my turn should i sorry that i want you to adore me why should
0: tour to pack for or something and i
2: know i keep forgetting we're <laughs> going tomorrow but it'll be great
1: <laughs>
0: but i'm super stoked that i stumbled upon bad bad hats and i'm grateful for this opportunity to get to chat with you and find out a little background on the band and your you know pick your brain about the songwriting and all that stuff
2: well i appreciate it and i always love talking about music i always love it especially if it's my own music But always appreciate an opportunity to to talk and hang.
0: Awesome, and I'm stoked. I found that uh, a copy of Walkman today. That's so good. That's so cool. I love that. And uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with what your 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 band and those tour dates that are that are happening over the next couple months. And people should buy themselves a vinyl. I don't know if there's any. Awesome. I don't know if there's any variations, but this one is is like this cool mint green color.
2: Yep, I think that's the that is the the current uh, iteration. Though there is there's a local record store in Minneapolis called Electric Fetus, and they've got a campfire orange Ooh. and black like swirl.
0: Get at it, Minneapolis! I
2: know, <laughs> I know. See, but you got to come to Minneapolis.
0: <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> We end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show, which is Oh great. It's a program.
2: It's shall, shall oh, I Oh go?
0: go yeah, whenever you're ready to do it. It means absolutely nothing, Carrie. It's just the way that my grandfather says the news program and uh I love it's it. It's just some some wild way to end the show, you know?
2: <laughs> okay, I can't I'm I really want to do a good job. Hey. <laughs> it's me Carrie from Babbit Hats. And it's a program.
0: She nailed it, everybody. Uh, We are going to play it out with maybe one of my favorite tracks. It's hard to pick a favorite. I was thinking about the songs that I wanted to play in full for this episode. Mm -hmm. And very difficult choices you and your bandmates put upon me.
2: That's what we like. That's what we like to do. All killer, no filler.
0: (laughs) I want to go out with Quarter Past.
2: Oh, Great
0: definitely one of my favorite jams so that's carrie from bad bad hats check out the band buy yourself a record all the links will be in the episode notes and uh wishing you all a, uh, a safe travels out there on the road hope you have some Thank awesome you. shows and Thanks. uh that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland minneapolis wherever you are listening from
1: The past one
0: shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with distro kid, making their already affordable prices, even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to Distro Kid. Stay up, stay tuned.